Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. It's a pleasure today to introduce our speaker who will conclude Theology of Generosity. Our speaker is a very generous person. I know this to be true from personal experience. He serves selflessly and shares freely what God has given to him. Gus Sereca started attending Valley Point and get this, 1975. It's a long time ago. He trusted in Christ alone in 1974 and then made the move to Valley Point and has been here ever since. He is a 45-year attender. Isn't that amazing? Yes. 45 years is a long time in one place. Get this, married in 1971, Mary uh, Gus and his wife, Lori, will celebrate 48 years of matrimony in October. So congratulations on that. Amazing. They have four kids and 18 grandkids. So life is very busy for them. Speaking of being generous, and he'll talk a little bit about that whole journey. Gus serves as the executive pastor here at Valley Point Church. He leads out on our small groups, as well as compassion efforts and our prayer and care ministry. I know this about Gus. He loves Jesus, and he loves this church. So will you help me welcome Gus Sereca? Thank you. What a, what a kind uh, introduction. <laughs> Although it was just a little while ago that Eric did a talk on the seasons of life and how each of us, depending on what season we are in, whether you're in your 20s and 30s or 40s and 50s, God uses you in different seasons of life. And the one season that I was in was 60 and above. Yeah, I'm 60 and above in case you didn't notice. But afterwards, I got to thinking about it, and I went back to Eric, and I said, Eric, do you realize that you put me in the same season of life as my mother? She'll be 90 in January. So I'm still trying to figure out what that meant for me or how I feel about that. But thank you for that introduction. Thank you. I appreciate it. We are in a series called Theology of Generosity, but I just want to share a couple things with you first before we get into our talk. I want to personally thank the praise team for the way they generously sacrificed their time to bring us into excellent worship. Can can we applaud them this morning? Thanks, Tyler and his team. They They do a great job. And we have a couple things coming up this summer that I'm really excited about. We are going to have a summer semester of our connection groups. They are going to start July 16th. It's a Tuesday night. We are going to offer four different subjects that you will be able to go through uh, with the different leaders. And we will have those uh, groups every other Tuesday throughout the remainder of the summer. We'll have a flyer next week and more information about that. We're really excited about our new summer semester for our connection group. So be looking for that. Also, In August, August 11th, we are putting together a team of people to go to Russia on a compassion trip, 
And uh, we're going to have a sign-up sheet out there today. If you are interested in that trip, it's a great trip. We go to Smolensk, Russia, and work with a missionary there who serves different orphanages and feeding centers in Smolensk, Russia. It's a great, great experience. If you're interested, you could just sign up at the Just For You area. So we are in this series, Theology of Generosity. And it really is a study of what God's perception of generosity is, what scripture teaches us how to be generous. In week one, Eric shared with you the principle, this basic truth, that God owns everything. And when we grasp that truth, and we understand it and apply it to our lives, that God owns everything, it changes And it motivates us to be generous. Because we realize we're only stewards of what God has given to us and blessed us with. In week two, he talked about how generosity is a path to a great life. And how when you live on less and live by faith, it brings joy and fulfillment to your life. It's a beautiful thing. Sometimes it's backwards thinking for us that to live on 90% that is blessed by God is so much better than trying to live on the 100% that is not blessed. When we realize these truths, they are motivators for us to be generous. They inspire us to be generous. And today I want to talk to you a little bit about how generosity refreshes others refreshes means to inspire it means to revive rejuvenate restore when we're generous it refreshes others we know this we see it all the time we've experienced it we experience it in a simple act of giving a gift to someone when you give a gift to someone whether it's a birthday gift or some type of gift graduation gift You see that they open it up and their face lights up. It's refreshing for them. It's refreshing for you. We know that generosity refreshes others. But I also know that we are not all created equal. We're not all created equal when it comes to generosity. Some of us are generous in our heart, and some of us, it's a challenge. When it comes to gift giving, for Laurie and I, Eric mentioned that I have 18 grandchildren. It's a blessing. It's a wonderful thing. When it comes to birthdays, it's a challenge. It's not easy. My older grandchildren, they have it figured out, and they solve this problem for me, and I love it. I'll, I'll go to one of my teenage grandchildren, and I'll say, what would you like for your birthday? And this is what they'll say. Nothing. It's fine. You don't have to get me anything. And then they'll say, I'll send you the link. (laughs) And in the link, it has the color, it has the price, it has the size, it has the manufacturer. Because for teenagers, you can't just buy any type. you got to get the right one. So it's a beautiful thing. Laurie gets the link. She checks a couple prices at different places. She orders it, it comes two days later, done. It's 
problem solved. It's the world we live in today. I actually love it. I actually think it's a great idea. Now, for our younger grandchildren, it's a little bit different, although they could send me a link. They haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> Lori likes to take them to the store and let them pick out something. It's very personal for them. It's a little bit different. So last month, our four-year-old granddaughter, Amaya, turned five. This is a picture of her on her birthday. This is Amaya. And so Lori took her to the store last month, and she let her pick out a couple things, a couple toys. They went to the checkout counter, and as they're checking out, Lori says to Amaya, why don't you pick out a nice snack for yourself? So she picks out a bag of pops, uh, lollipops. And Laurie says, that's, that's a lot of lollipops. And Amaya says, I want to share them with my sisters and my brother. I believe that Amaya was created and born with a heart of generosity. I don't think she learned that at four years old. She was thinking of others. She was thinking of her siblings. And when you're thinking of others, our heart, our empathy, our compassion kicks in and it translates into generosity. And that's how it was for a man. Because that's what generosity is. We see a need, we see a cause, and we realize it's personal. And then we're motivated to give to that cause. I'm going to look at a couple causes here, some popular causes. The first one that we're going to look at is the American Heart Association. The American Heart Association exists to help fight and prevent cardiovascular disease. So if you have a loved one or you have someone that's close to you that struggles with heart disease, you would be more motivated because of your care and compassion for that person to be generous and give to this cause. That's how it works. Let's look at another one. The Animal Welfare Institute. The Animal Welfare Institute seeks to protect animals from cruel treatment. Many of you, I know from conversations, have a passion and a heart for animals. You may be motivated as it touches your life and personal to give to this cause. Let's look at another one. American Cancer Society. I think every week in our prayer list and our prayer request, we're praying for people who are affected by cancer. I know I am. My father passed away at 53 years old of lung cancer. I have a real close friend who's going through treatments for bladder cancer. When it it hits home and it's close to home, it becomes personal, and you become more motivated to be generous to make a difference in the world. That's how this works. One more. The American Liver Foundation. The American Liver Foundation is the nation's leading nonprofit health organization for people living with liver disease. My oldest, our oldest granddaughter, Hannah, is 19 years old. She just finished her freshman year in college. She was just diagnosed this past year with cirrhosis of the liver at 19 years old. And a few weeks ago, a weekend, we spent with her, and 
we watched how the medication that she's on affects her physically and emotionally, mentally. When these things happen to you personally, when they hit close to home, you're more motivated to be generous because you care, your compassion kicks in, and ultimately, you're generous because you want to make a difference for those things that happen to you that are close to home. These are just a few examples of what happens and how we are motivated to give generously. I want to look at a passage of scripture today. It's found in John 15. You can turn there. I'm actually going to have you help me read through this passage. This is a metaphor that Jesus is sharing with his disciples. And it's a metaphor about a vineyard. A vineyard. Yeah, I noticed that now you're starting to pay attention since we're talking about a vineyard. So it's a metaphor about a vineyard. Now, I know nothing about vineyards. As a matter of fact, I don't even like wine. I don't drink wine. But I have visited a couple vineyards in my lifetime. This is a picture of a vineyard in California that Laurie and I had an opportunity to visit with my brother and his wife. It is not harvest time, but it's still beautiful, isn't it? It's just beautiful. And then last year, I had an opportunity to go to a vineyard in South Africa with some friends from Valley Point. This is the vineyard there. It's beautiful. I just loved visiting there. But I know nothing about farming. I really don't. So Jesus is sharing this metaphor with his disciples, and it just so happens it's the night before he sacrifices and willingly lays down his life for all mankind. And so we're going to read through this story that he shares with his disciples, this metaphor. And this is what I'd like for you to do. I'd like you to help me read through this. So I'm going to ask you to stand. We'll have the words on the screen, or you can look in your Bibles. I'm going to read verse 1, and you, as a faith community, united in purpose and cause, are going to read verse 2 together. I'll read verse 3, and then who will read verse 4? That's right. Very good. You're catching on. So let's look at this. John 15, we're going to read through to verse 8, which means you'll end with 8, and uh, we'll see what God has to say when it comes to generosity. Verse 1, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. Mine, that doesn't produce fruit. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, Yes, I am the vine, Jesus says. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. But, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. 
Thank you. Great reading. You may be seated. In this metaphor, we see three characters, three main characters. We see God as the gardener. We see Christ as the vine. And we, mankind, we are the branches. So I want to look at three quick points from this passage, three thinking points, and then I'm going to have two takeaways for you. Thinking point number one, we find right in verse one, God owns the vineyard. God's the gardener. He owns the vineyard. And I want to emphasize this again because it's so very, very important when we talk about generosity in our lives, we're not all created the same. We need to have the Lord kind of instruct us and guide us when it comes to generosity. Some of us are givers and some of us are not. But God wants us to live lives that are generous. So when we recognize that God owns everything and that we are really only just stewards of what he's blessed us with, how much more motivated are we to be generous with our lives? It's really important to recognize that God owns everything in our life. He owns everything that we own. He owns our houses, our jobs, our families. He owns it all. We're only here to steward what he has given to us. And here's the other cool thing about this passage of Scripture. Not only does God own everything, but God, when it comes to producing fruit, does all the work. He does all the work. It kind of takes the pressure off of us. He does all the work. Not only does he own it, but he does all the work. He prunes the branches. He cultivates the soil. He waters it. He prunes it. He fertilizes it. He does all the work. He owns it, does all the work. So what, the plant, what does the plant have left to do? Trust the gardener. That's all we need to do really is trust the gardener. He owns it. He has it figured out. When it comes to fruit in our lives, we realize that whatever fruit we will produce in other people by loving them or caring for them or, or investing in them generously, it's God that's cultivating the soil of their heart. It's God who's preparing them all along the way. Here's thinking point number two. God's purpose for our lives is to produce fruit. We see that clearly here in this passage. In the natural world, fruit is a result of a healthy plant that is producing fruit that it's designed to produce. We, as Christ followers, are designed to produce fruit in our lives. In the Bible, the word fruit is often used to describe a person's outward actions that result from a condition of the heart. Condition of the heart. Is God cultivating your heart at this moment? Is God working in your heart right now today throughout this series? 
the condition of the heart. Our generosity is a means of producing fruit. When we experience God's generosity, which God's generosity was amazing, because God was so generous, we learn in John 3.16, that he gave his only son to die on the cross for us so that we can have eternal life. God's generosity, if we've experienced God's generosity, how much more will that result in us being generous towards others by sacrificing not only our time and our talent, but our treasure and our money for others? And then number three, our thinking point number three, eternal fruit comes through Christ. Can we make a difference in the world without Christ? Absolutely. People make a difference in the world all the time. We see all kind of causes, all kind of people who are not believers, loving on others and making a difference in the world. But I think from this passage of Scripture, we learn something very, very important. And that those people, other people who are not Christ followers, cannot necessarily make a difference in the world for eternity. But for us, not only can or do we have the ability to make a difference in the world for those refreshing others for eternity, not only are we called to do that, it it is our responsibility to do that. Because in this passage, it says that your fruit doesn't just remain temporarily. It remains for eternity. How do we become generous and refresh others for eternity? Through Christ. If we're not doing it through Christ, it's not going to make a difference in eternity. This is very, very important. I have two takeaways for you today. Two takeaways. And our first takeaway, I want to introduce you to a cause that I think is very personal to each and every one of us in this room. I think it's a cause that not only has affected us individually, but it's a cause that's affected our families and hopefully affected our loved ones. And it is the cause of Christ. And our takeaway is this, consider giving to the cause of Christ. Our generosity as a church, as a faith community, should be making a difference in the lives of others for eternity. Just think of, think of the, not only the benefits of that, but think of the, the opportunity that we have as Christ followers to make a difference in the lives of others for eternity. That's exciting. That's pretty awesome, I think. I think it's pretty awesome. In Acts 1.8, it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, even in Glen Mills, even in Aston, even in Boothwin, even in Wilmington, wherever you're from, We should be living lives that are reflecting the love of Christ as we've experienced it personally. 
And we should be generous. And we should care for those who need to know about Jesus. And listen, God created the church. God created the church, which church is us, individuals sitting here in this room. It's not the building. We are the church. God created the church to champion the cause of Christ. There isn't any other organization that is, that is uh, designated by God to champion the cause of Christ but the church. This is personal for us. It should be passionate for us to want to champion the cause of Christ. The local church, as God designed it, is to be a place where people from different backgrounds and places in society with a wide variety of occupations and skill sets come together in unity to champion the cause of Christ. Valley Point Church, as I look around the room, and I know many of you, some of you I don't know, but we have people in the field of education. We have people in the political field, the political arena. We have people who are, have technical skills or in the technical field, health field. We represent so many different walks of life in our community and in our towns. We all are extensions of Christ's generosity to us. We are extensions of his love. That's what, the Christ, that's what the church is. We are extensions of Christ's love. Whether we live, wherever we play, wherever we work, we are extensions of his love. Not only are we extensions of his love, we carry the truth of Christ. No other organization is carrying the truth of Christ like the church. It says in Acts chapter 4, that there is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. The name of Christ is powerful. It is life-changing. It doesn't only change us in this life, but it changes us in the life to come. We carry the truth of Christ. That's a pretty big responsibility when it comes to us being generous. What, does, what else does the church do? We intercede. We intercede for others. When we intercede for the things that are happening in our community, we act as God's royal priesthood as we stand between God and the whole world. When Christians stand in prayer together for others, God shows up. This is the cause of Christ. We should be champion the cause of Christ. We should be investing in the church as it champions this cause. Consider doing that. Takeaway number two, remain in Christ. Seven times Jesus uses this word remain This is a phrase that's used different ways. It could be abide in me. It could be walk in the spirit. It's a phrase that all means kind of the same thing. That we, if we want to make a difference for eternity, the only way to do that is through Christ. I mean, we can say that we're serving others and we're doing things 
for Jesus, but unless we're doing it through him, it has no eternal benefits. This is what this passage is teaching us. It kind of separates the hypocrites from those who are remaining in him and working through him. And I want to challenge us today that we as a faith community would be generous with our time, with our talents, and with our treasure by serving through Christ. It makes it personal. It makes it very, very personal. And when it's personal and when it's close to home, it motivates us to make a difference in our generosity. Some of us may be sitting here today and thinking, well, I've never made a decision to be in Christ in the first place. I've never made a decision really in my life to do anything through Christ. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're wondering, as God cultivates your heart and is working in your heart through his word, that maybe it's time today for you to trust in Jesus alone to save you. It's as easy as ABC. Admit that we've wandered off. Admit that we're a sinner. Admit that we're not remaining in him. And then believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's the good news. It's what changes us and refreshes us for eternity. And then just confess that you want him to be your Lord and Savior in your life. I'd like you to pray with me today. Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together. We thank you, Lord, for this passage of Scripture you shared with your disciples the night before you generously gave your life. And Father, I just pray that we would be motivated to be generous as well. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts and lives. I pray, Lord, that we would consider investing in this cause of Christ through your church. And may each and every one of us have passion about championing this cause. Father, I pray for that individual today who needs to put their faith and trust in Jesus alone to save them. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to their heart, give them the courage to make that step and to put their trust in you today. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.